Day three, the fifth story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio, translated by J. M. Rigg. Day three, the fifth story. Zima gives a palfrey to Messer Francesco Vergellesi, who in return suffers him to speak with his wife. She keeping silence, he answers in her stead, and the sequel is in accordance with his answer. When Pamphilo had brought the story of Rapuccio to a close amid the laughter of the ladies, the queen debonairly bade Elisa to follow suit, and she, whose manner had in it a slight touch of severity, which betokened not despite, but was habitual to her, thus began. Many there are that being very knowing, many there are that being very knowing, think that others are quite the reverse, and so many a time, thinking to beguile others, are themselves beguiled. Wherefore I deem it the height of folly for any one wantonly to challenge another to a contest of wit. But, as perchance all may not be of the same opinion, I am minded, without deviating from the prescribed order, to acquaint you with that which thereby befell a certain knight of Pistoia. Know then that at Pistoia there lived a knight, Messer Francesco, by name, of the Vercellesi family, a man of much wealth and good parts, being both wise and clever, but withal niggardly beyond measure, which Messer Francesco, having to go to Milan in the capacity of Podesta, had provided himself with all that was meet for the honourable support of such a dignity, save only a palfrey handsome enough for him, and not being able to come by any such, he felt himself at a loss. Now there was then in Pistoia a young man, Ricciardo by name, of low origin but great wealth who went always so trim and fine and foppish of person that folk had bestowed upon him the name of zima by which he was generally known zima had long and to no purpose burned and yearned for love of messer francesco's very fair and no less virtuous wife his passion was matter of common notoriety, and so it befell that some one told Messer Francesco that he had but to ask Zima, who was the possessor of one of the handsomest palfreys in Tuscany, which on that account he greatly prized, and he would not hesitate to give him the horse for the love which he bore his wife. So our niggardly knight sent for Zima, and offered to buy the horse off him, hoping thereby to get him from Zima as a gift. Zima heard the knight gladly, and thus made answer, Sell you my horse, sir, I would not, though you gave me all that you have in the world, but I shall be happy to give him to you when you will, on this condition, that before he pass into your hands I may, by your leave and in your presence, say a few words to your wife so privately that i may be heard by her alone 
thinking at once to gratify his cupidity and to outwit zima the knight answered that he was content that it should be even as zima wished then leaving him in the hall of the palace he went to his lady's chamber and told her the easy terms on which he might acquire the palfrey bidding her give zima his audience but on no account to vouchsafe him a word of reply this the lady found by no means to her mind but as she must needs obey her husband's commands she promised compliance and followed him into the hall to hear what zima might have to say zima then renewed his contract with the knight in due form whereupon the lady being seated in a part of the hall where she was quite by herself he sate down by her side and thus began noble lady i have too much respect for your understanding to doubt that you have long been well aware of the extremity of passion whereto i have been brought by your beauty which certainly exceeds that of any other lady that i have ever seen to say nothing of your exquisite manners and incomparable virtues which might well serve to captivate every soaring spirit that is in the world wherefore there need no words of mine to assure you that i love you with a love greater and more ardent than any that man yet bore to woman and so without doubt i shall do as long as my woeful life shall hold this frame together nay longer yet for if love there be in the next world as in this i shall love you evermore and so you may make your mind secure that there is nothing that is yours be it precious or be it common which you may count as in such and so sure assort your own as me for all that i am and have and that thereof you may not lack evidence of infallible cogency i tell you that i should deem myself more highly favoured if i might at your command do somewhat to pleasure you than if at my command the whole world were forthwith to yield me obedience and as tis even in such sort that i am yours tis not unworthily that i make bold to offer my petitions to your highness as being to me the sole exclusive source of all peace of all bliss of all health wherefore as your most lowly vassal i pray you dear my bliss my soul's one hope wherein she nourishes herself in love's devouring flame that in your great benignity you deign so far to mitigate the harshness which in the past you have shown towards me yours thought i am that consoled by your compassion i may say that as twas by your beauty that i was smitten with love so tis to your pity that i owe my life which if in your haughtiness you lend not ear unto my prayers will assuredly fail so that i shall die and it may be twill be said that you slew me twould not redound to your honour that i died for love of you but let that pass i cannot but think however that you would sometimes feel a touch of remorse and would grieve that twas your doing and that now and again relenting you would say to yourself ah how wrong it was of me that i had not pity on my zima by which too late repentance you would but enhance your grief 
whereof that this come not to pass repent you while it is in your power to give me ease and show pity on me before i die seeing that with you it rests to make me either the gladdest or the saddest man that lives my trust is in your generosity that will not brook that a love so great and of such a sort as mine should receive death for guerdon and that by a gladsome and gracious answer you will repair my shattered spirits which are all a-tremble in your presence for very fear when he had done he heaved several very deep sighs and a few tears started from his eyes while he awaited the latest answer long time he had wooed her with his eyes had tilted in her honour had greeted her rising with music and against these and all like modes of attack she had been proof but the heartfelt words of her most ardent lover were not without their effect and she now began to understand what she had never till then understood to wit what love really means so albeit she obeyed her lord's behest and kept silence yet she could not but betray by a slight sigh that which if she might have given zima his answer she would readily have avowed after waiting a while zima found it strange that no answer was forthcoming and he then began to perceive the trick which the knight had played him however he kept his eyes fixed on the lady and observing that her eyes glowed now and again as they met his and noting the partially suppressed sighs which escaped her he gathered a little hope which gave him courage to try a novel plan of attack so while the lady listened he began to make answer for herself to himself on this wise zima mine true indeed it is that long since i discerned that thou didst love me with a love exceeding great and whole-hearted whereof i have now yet ampler assurance by thine own words and well content i am therewith as indeed i ought to be and however harsh and cruel i may have seemed to thee i would by no means have thee believe that i have been such a heart as i have seemed in aspect rather be assured that i have ever loved thee and held thee dear above all other men the man which i have worn was but prescribed by fear of another and solicitude for my fair frame but a time will soon come when i shall be able to give thee plain proof of my love and to accord the love which thou hast borne and dost bear me its due guerdon wherefore be comforted and of good hope for messer francesco is to go in a few days time to milan as podesta as thou well knowest seeing that for love of me thou hast given him thy fine palfrey and i vow to thee upon my faith upon the true love which i bear thee that without fail within a few days thereafter thou shalt be with me and we will give our love complete and gladsome consummation and that i may have no more occasion to speak to thee of this matter be it understood between us that henceforth when thou shalt observe two towels disposed at the window of my room which overlooks the garden thou shalt come to me after nightfall of that same day by the garden door and look well to it that thou be not seen 
and thou shalt find me waiting for thee, and we will have our fill of mutual cheer and solace all night long. Having thus answered for the lady, Zima resumed his own person and thus replied to the lady, Dearest madam, your boon response so overpowers my every faculty that scarce can I frame words to render you due thanks, and were I able to utter all I feel, time, however long, would fail me fully to thank you, as I would fain, and as I ought, wherefore, I must even leave it to your sage judgment to divine that which i yearn in vain to put in words let this one word suffice that as you bid me so i shall not fail to do and then having perchance firmer assurance of the great boon which you have granted me i will do my best endeavour to thank you in terms the amplest that i may command for the present there is no more to say, and so, dearest my lady, I commend you to God, and may he grant you your heart's content of joy and bliss. To all which the lady returned never a word, wherefore Zima rose and turned to rejoin the knight, who, seeing him on his feet, came towards him and said with a laugh, How sayest thou? Have I faithfully kept my promise to thee? Note so, sir replied zima for by thy word i was to have spoken with thy wife and by thy deed i have spoken to a statue of marble which remark was much relished by the knight who well as he had thought of his wife thought now even better of her and said so thy palfrey that was is now mine out and out tis even so sir replied zima but had I thought to have gotten such fruit as I have from this favour of yours, I would not have craved it, but would have let you have the palfrey as a free gift, and would to God I had done so, for, as it is, you have bought the palfrey, and I have not sold him. This drew a laugh from the knight, who within a few days thereafter mounted the palfrey which he had gotten, and took the road for Milan, there to enter on his podestate. The lady, now mistress of herself, bethought her of Zima's words, and the love which he bore her, and for which he had parted with his palfrey, and observing that he frequently passed her house, said to herself, What am I about? why throw i my youth away my husband is gone to milan and will not return for six months and when can he ever restore them to me when i am old and besides shall i ever find another such lover as zima i am quite by myself there's none to fear i know not why i take not my good time while i may I shall not always have the like opportunity as at present. No one will ever know. And if I should get known, tis better to do and repent than to forbear and repent. Of which meditations the issue was that one day she set two towels in the window overlooking the garden, according to Zima's word. And Zima, having remarked them, with much exultation, stole at nightfall alone to the door of the lady's garden, and finding it open, crossed to another door that led into the house where he found the lady awaiting him. 
On sight of him she rose to meet him, and gave him the heartiest of welcomes. A hundred thousand times he embraced and kissed her, as he followed her upstairs. Then, without delay, they hied them to bed, and knew love's furthest born. And so far was the first time from being in this case the last, that while the knight was at Milan, and indeed after his return, there were seasons, not a few, at which Zima resorted thither to the immense delight of both parties. End of Day 3 The Fifth Story